Welcome to the Happiest Ever After podcast. I'm your host, Tatiana Robertson. And yes, you heard right, happy-ish. Because this podcast is not about chasing the fairy tale. We've seen behind the curtain and most of us are ready to hop off the hamster wheel of perfection. If you've ever wondered, how'd I end up in this life? How can I change it? What do I want from life? Is there more? Then this podcast is for you. The fairy tale may not be real, That's the good news because life is an amazing adventure and it's time for you to pick up the pen and write your own story. So let's get started and see where this journey takes us. I am so excited about today's guest. Today, I have Sarah Rose, who is a business coach, mentor, leader, speaker, and CEO who is pioneering a new world of wealth, love, business, and leadership and truly truly a new world. The way that she approaches things, it's been such an eye-opener to me. I have been so excited about having you on this podcast. Sarah doesn't even know this, but this is how excited. I'm like, okay, we're going to record it and we do it on Zoom. I'm actually going to try and put on some makeup and and God knows how long it's been since I put on makeup, right? And I'm thinking about what we're going to talk about and I'm so excited and I grab and I'm like, okay, these these eyebrows need a little assistance. So I'm going to get, I've got this new fancy little pen, but I grabbed the wrong one because I have two and they're almost identical. And because I don't put makeup on very often, I didn't notice liquid eyeliner. Oh, no, I'm not even kidding. Full on having a Frida Kahlo moment. And I love her. And on her, it looks fabulous. It didn't look quite as delightful on me. So, oh, <laughs> so, so anyway, that's that just shows my level of distraction because I was so looking forward to having you. And I was thinking about all the juicy Yay. topics we're going to talk about because today Sarah Rose is going to, and I always have to say that I can't just say Sarah. I have to say Sarah Rose. I just love your name. So I'm so excited because she's going to be talking about manifesting money, creating wealth. And don't stop if you're like, okay, I don't know about this manifestation because if you don't understand, or if you're sort of a not really on the manifestation train yet, just take a minute, put your earbuds in, listen to this podcast go for a walk with the dog and just, just let Sarah Rose's wisdom seep into you. Honestly, if somebody talked to me about manifesting wealth two or three years ago, I would have been like, that's nice. But you and me both sister. (laughs) I know, but I'm a convert. So first, like you said, you know, you too. Well, tell us your story. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm so excited to be here. And that was probably the funnest intro I've ever had. So thank you for just setting the vibe. I'm so excited to be here. So to touch on on money manifestation and my journey with it, I worked in the, the banking industry, the financial industry. So for me, that was, I didn't even know what the word manifestation was. And to me, all, money was all about how can I just save as much as I can to retire at the age of 65? Mm-hmm. That was the plan for me. And I was lovingly working my way up the corporate ladder until one day I realized that I I wasn't meant for it. And I didn't know why. I wasn't entirely sure what was going on with me. I was like, is this a mental breakdown? Like, why do I feel like I just want to leave my nine to five and go travel the world? Like, what is happening? Um, because I was so dedicated. And I was such a leader in, in my industry. 
And finally, I was like, you know what? If, even if I just quit for a year, even if I just quit for a year and go travel, at least I can say I live, right? So I put in my two weeks and I started on this journey. It wasn't supposed to be an entrepreneurial journey. And it definitely wasn't supposed to be a money manifestation journey. That's for sure. It definitely wasn't supposed to be a wealth creation journey because I was literally like, I'm just going to empty my savings account and go until that happens. <laughs> and then I stumbled upon the coaching industry and the coaching industry really introduced me to a lot. It introduced me to mindset. It introduced me to spirituality. It introduced me to law of attraction, manifestation, I still remember to the day watching The Secret and being like, is this real? Let, let's play with this a little bit. And so I did. I started to play with it and I started to really dive deep into subconscious reprogramming and learning about people's relationships with money. The number one book I would recommend for everyone listening to this podcast is Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. That book changed my entire perspective on money because it actually broke down the science as to why I showed up in relationship with money the way that I did. T. Harv Eckert calls it your money blueprint. And so I really dove into that world of creating wealth for yourself and reprogramming your, your money paradigm, as I like to call it. And my entire life changed. And I went from you know working at corporate to leaving corporate all the way to building a six-figure business in a matter of two years. And I knew that there had like there was something more to it than just the strategy because I've tried all the different strategies in the world when it came to business and none of them worked until I actually was like, how can I show up in relationship with money in an empowering way and not be in this constant state of fear with money? And when I shifted that, everything got to be easier inside of business. It didn't get to be easy, but it got to be easier. <laughs> For me, the way that I can connect with manifestation is because I'm very highly logical. And so once I understood more of the psychological elements, the role of the subconscious, the way that our brain functions, then I was, oh, this makes sense because now you're speaking the language that I understand. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of different. The reason that I resisted it was because I actually didn't understand manifestation. I thought it was sort of woo woo, sit in the forest and have, I don't know, leprechauns show you where the pot of gold is. Totally. I, I didn't really understand how it's part of your beliefs and how your beliefs actually can help change that. But I'm so on a learning curve. Can you explain that for us? Like how that happens? Absolutely. You've probably heard the saying, your thoughts create your reality. And a belief is basically just a thought that you keep thinking, right? And during the ages of zero to seven years old, that's when you're fully operating off of your subconscious mind. And so you develop a majority of your beliefs during the ages of zero to seven years old. Sometimes I always think that's crazy to say out loud because I'm like, am I operating out of a seven-year-old mindset right now. <laughs> but it makes Before. sense. When totally. we talk about, that's why people talk about inner child. That's why people talk about family of origin, yep. because that's when we learn language. If you said, oh, we're going to go from not understanding that language is even a concept to being able to talk two years later, we'd all go like, that's insane. But we've all done it. Yep. And exactly. so this, you know, the family of origin. Okay. So this is where we get those thoughts that then become our beliefs. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and the beautiful part about that is like your, your mind is malleable. And so you actually do have power over it, even though sometimes it feels like you don't. 
there are ways to create new neural pathways and new neural networks in your mind that are essentially new belief systems. And so starting there, right, your thought becomes a belief and then your belief is what you embody. Even your thought is what you embody. And when I say embody, I mean like how you feel, Mm -hmm. right? So if you think about a negative thought or you know, have a negative belief and you think that it's going to affect how you feel and then how you feel, you can think of it as like you have an, have a energy field around you, right? Like everything at its core scientifically comes down to it's actually energy. This phone is energy. This computer is energy. It's all tiny little particles, right? And we have like an eight foot field around our bodies when we're feeling really like high on life, things are good. We're feeling in pleasure. We're feeling turned on. We're feeling joy. And then when you're feeling in this grief, depression, frustration, that it gets smaller. And so if you use that science to say, oh, okay, if I focus on the things that are going well in my life, like attracts light. So I'm going to attract positive. If I'm going to think about negative things, and that's where my mindset is, then like attracts like, I'm going to attract negative things. And the beautiful part about this is you have complete control over your focus. And what you focus on, that's what's going to grow and get bigger and expand in your life. For example, you can be looking at everything that's going wrong in your life. And you can be like, why does this keep happening? And then it's just going to continue happening, continue happening, continue happening. That's not your destiny. That's not fate. That's not a coincidence. That's you attracting that in your life based off of your perspective, based off of your thoughts, based off of how you feel. And then if you're focused on everything that's going right, doing the general manifestation stuff, like practicing gratitude, saying your affirmations, right? Like that's like very basic manifestation rules, I guess you can say, but that's where it all starts. And once you place your focus on the positive, you attract more of the positive. (laughs) I get that. To me, it makes sense because people say, oh, just saying something. But if you believe that, you know, your thoughts become beliefs, So if you can say something and think it with the intention and not say it like, oh, I've got to say this, because if you say, oh, I've got to say this, but it'll never actually happen. Your thoughts become your beliefs. Yep. So you have to actually believe and it can be transformative. And for somebody who doesn't think it is like, I know if somebody had told that to me years ago, I would have been like. I do not choose this. I do not want this. I don't want this chaos. I don't want this, this stress. I don't want this. So why would I create it? And it's funny because when it's us, we can't see, but everybody's done that where you've, you've gone to a party or you've gone into a room and you're just like drawn to someone and you see people being drawn to that person. Mm -hmm. You think, what is it about them? And it's the energy that they put out just attracts you to some people and like attracts like somebody's really confident and joyful and you have someone who's not comfortable around that they're not looking to be in that space they won't yeah that's a big part of the shift for me was starting to understand how I'm actually the creator of the world that I Mm -hmm. live in and once I understood that that's when things started to shift for me It's not an easy thing to come to terms with. No, you it's know? not. Yeah, I felt the same way. <laughs> it's this moment of, oh, I'm doing this. 
And we talk a lot of, in our culture about accountability. And it's really interesting because the word accountability has actually become connected to shame. Yeah. So if I come to this and I go, oh, this is the life that I've created and it's not a life that I want to live. And then I am like, oh, I need to be more accountable. So then I become harsher on myself, more self-critical, more ashamed now of the life that I've created. That also puts all of your thoughts and beliefs into a state of unworthiness. Yeah. So this is a big conversation. It's hard. It's so hard. So what do you say to somebody who's going through that process of, oh, I created this. I know you work with a lot of women and I'm sure that this is something that have come across so many times. How do you help them once they've reached that point of realization and now helping them to shift? Yeah. After the awareness stage, like, oh, okay. I understand now that this is happening and I have control over it. I first like to get to the bottom of it, understand where this is actually coming from. And then that gives you the power to disassociate and realize that that's not actually you. That's just an idea that was planted in your subconscious mind. And now you're operating from that belief system, but that's not like your true essence. And, and so that's like the first place is that feeling of unworthiness. A big one is shame with debt, right? Like so many women, so many humans have this really shameful relationship with debt. They, they shame themselves for having debt or for being in debt. And the more you shame yourself for having that, the more you're just attracting more of more opportunities for you to shame yourself versus acceptance, right? Like accept acceptance neutralizes everything because you're no longer operating from a place of like, um, this is bad. This is good. It's just, it just is. Yeah. Right. So after the awareness, I would say like, understand like, Oh, okay. This is what my belief system that my dad passed down to me. And now I'm operating from this idea he passed down to me. And that's, I don't have to live that way. I choose to disassociate and understand that's not my truth. I release that and I replace it with something that's empowering. Yeah. And then, and then you can really start to create that new core paradigm that you can live out of. Yeah. And and then just accept it. Like, okay, like this is where I'm at. And now I'm going to put my focus onto something that does serve me, does serve this world, does serve humanity, serves the planet, all of the above. It it just goes down to just accepting it. I like to think of it as your moral obligation to have the most empowering relationship with money and the most empowering mindset around money that you possibly can. Because if you're listening to this, it gets to end with you. That scarcity, that lack, that negativity, that shame, that gets to end with you if you choose to, if you take on that sacred responsibility. And so if you do choose that, understand that this isn't just affecting you, this is affecting generations to come right? What you're passing down to your children and their children and so on and so on and so on. And I think that's pretty special. I have seen that in action. So it goes back to those family of origins. And when we recognize that it's your father or your mother or your, you know, it's not with blame. It's with the recognition that those are beliefs that they got from somewhere. And to be able to just accept that and be like, right, you can't necessarily change them. But the focus that you bring to yourself what is my truth? And when I started this journey a couple of years ago, 
with understanding my relationship. And for, you know, the topic of this podcast, it's about manifesting wealth. And I remember my youngest, oh boy. And I'm like, oh, here's her family of origin story coming from me. And she's like, mom, I know that you're all on this like money manifestation, but we got to get real because I want there to be food in the fridge when I open it. And she (laughs) was like, we're gonna go bankrupt. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I could see these beliefs in my child who at the time was 15. Yeah. No, I don't want you to believe that about money. I don't want you to believe that everything is scarce and that we're going to run out. I don't want you to believe that you've got to hammer away at a job and that it's going to take more hours to make things happen because that's not the truth. Actually, it's it's not the truth, not just in our family. It's not the truth generally because Elon Musk has 24 hours. Same as I have 24 hours, same as the wealthiest person in the world has 24 hours. It's not how hard you work through an every hour of your day. And that yeah. was a big shift because that was my family of origin story. But the truth here. is, I think it's a really common one. It's definitely a societal belief for sure. It's, and so then we equate debt and not having with laziness. It's because I'm not working hard enough. And that's why. So then there comes in all the self-recrimination. And that was the beginning of my journey is realizing I had to let go of my old beliefs around money. Yeah. And it was wow. And, and like I said, one of the biggest shocks was seeing how tightly ingrained it already was in my 15 year old that she was just clinging to that belief because at 15 it was a core belief around money yeah and so I'm on this journey and I'm so glad that you're here with me too (laughs) me too when you're with a woman who is at the same sort of state or has this mindset around money, what's your approach that helps shift the internal dialogue that changes the internal script that they have? Yeah. One of my best practices, because again, our mind loves proof, right? It loves to show like, okay, show me the facts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so a lot of the times with things like affirmations and where where you're reading, like I am a millionaire, it doesn't register, right? Like you're yeah, but I'm not right. Like where, where's the facts? Where's the proof? And so what I like to like to do when I first started this and what, like the first practice I give to all of my clients is it's actually called pennies from heaven. My dad, that was something he taught me when I was a kid. And then I turned it into a manifestation thing, of course, (laughs) but essentially it's, I wonder what I can find today. I wonder what money, what pennies, what dimes, what quarters I can attract today. And just starting there. And then you start to realize, oh my God, I just found a, I just found a penny. Oh my God, another penny. And then you celebrate all like just those little things. And you're going to start to prove to your mind that it's actually possible for you to create money. It's actually possible for you to go out in the world and to attract that into your life. Even if it's just the smallest little thing like a penny. And once you've given your mind that proof, then you can start to play a little bit bigger. Like you can start depending, like, I don't know if you're into human design, but there's people who like love to like specifically manifest with, you know, all of the details. I'm a very specific manifester. So if I write down, I want a thousand dollars, 
I'm gonna get that $1,000 specifically. And then there's also non-specific manifestors who really focus on like, what, what does my desire make me feel? And how can I just like feel that now and then attract whatever it is a match to that feeling? And so then I would say, play it a little bit bigger, write yourself a check for the amount that you desire. And again, give your mind that proof. Now, when it comes to the internal dialogue, another really like basic fundamental tool, like I said earlier, is affirmations, but people don't utilize them the most effectively. And so I'm going to give your audience some actual affirmations that can change their life. I like to say that I'm the queen of making affirmations become truth because I understand, again, the science behind it. I am so ready for this. Yes, I'm so excited. (laughs) People think that they can just like have their affirmations on the wall and like pass by them, maybe read them every now and then, and then like go about their day and expect it to become true. But most of the time when they're reading it, they're usually more hyperactive, right? So their focus isn't really on there. They're operating more on their conscious mind when we're trying to penetrate the subconscious mind. And so it's really important when you are reading your affirmations, one, make them feel good for you. If reading something like I am a millionaire does not feel good for you and it just puts you back in lack, like, no, I'm not then why would you even have it as an affirmation instead of saying something like, I am safe to be a millionaire. That kind of bridges the gap of like, oh, like, okay, it it is safe for me to become that, even if I'm not there yet. And then going back to the brainwave part, reading your affirmations right when you wake up and right before you go to bed. Because what happens is you go into theta brainwave, which is a slower brainwave, which means that you can actually get to the subconscious mind. The conscious mind quiets, it dims down a little bit, it's less active and your subconscious mind is more suggestible. And when it's more suggestible, that's when you can actually create new neural networks. And so if you're reading your affirmations at that time, they're much more likely to stick versus when you're at a different brainwave, when things are super hyperactive. Did that make sense? (laughs) That made so much sense to me. I recently read Mel Robbins' High Five Habit, loved it. But she was like, put the post-it like in your bathroom. But by the time I'm out of bed and in the bathroom, I'm already, here's what I have for the day. What time is it right now? What time do I have this? And so I actually did the high five because I've got a mirror in my bedroom and I did it there. But here's the other thing. She had this saying that she does. And I guess you would say it's an affirmation and it's, I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm love. I love that. And I say it in the morning as I get out of bed, I put my hand over my heart. And when I do that, taking a deep breath. If you're the type of person, like I often am, jumping out of bed, what do I got to do? We've triggered that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Our body and our subconscious knows that when we take the deep, if we're taking a deep breath, there are definitely no tigers around because we will not be taking a deep breath if there's a tiger nearby, right? So it automatically calms everything. Now, my daughter took, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved, and she loves to do pretty scripts. And so she put it on a piece of paper and put it in a frame for me and it's beside my bed. So when I get up in the morning, I see it right away. It's this one little pretty picture frame sitting on my bedside table. And so that reminds me to say that. And then I have all of the feeling of gratitude for her making this for me. And it's just a very common thing. And before I go to bed, often as I'm climbing into bed, I see it on my bedside table and I'll pause. I'll take the breath. It has been 
I know this isn't about manifesting wealth, but it has calmed me in such a way and really changes how I'm, I'm like, I'm okay. Everything that's going on right now, but I'm okay. And I'm safe and I'm loved. And it has helped me through some really hard times. And so I just was using that as an example. And people say, well, that's easy to believe, but it isn't when our world right now, everything from the masks to the distance away from everybody to not being able to see our loved ones, still even in this opening up, there's restrictions that we're constantly thinking about that. Yeah, there's a lot of chaos. And so to feel safe and loved and know that you're okay is actually a big leap. Mm -hmm. And the same can be done with money. Mm -hmm. This was a big resistance for me. So I'm trying to give examples. I hope that other people will connect with that and understand how you really can switch everything. I have so much anxiety about losing money, about not having security, growing up poor, but also had very much a scarcity mindset. Yeah. I'm just thinking of this right now. To be able to release some of that is to actually release the fixation. Oh my gosh. Of the yes. guarantee. You go to a job, you have an agreed negotiated wage, you know that it's coming in every two weeks, every other Friday, it's going into my bank account, and you have this sense of security, and it just shows up there clinging to that because you know with certainty, but if only we could know with certainty the abundance of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you brought up something that like sparked a huge, huge thing that I want to talk about because a lot of people are more attached to their scarcity and to their money stories yeah. than they are willing to change them, yeah. right? And And I see this happen a lot with the women I work with. Yeah, but this, yeah, but that. And it's like, that's you because <laughs> it's validating. And, and it's this, it's this pride thing. It's this ego thing because you want to be right. Right. We, we want to be right. It, it doesn't feel good to be wrong. <laughs> so we would rather have set of temporary uncomfortability with being wrong and having humility to admit that instead we're addicted to suffering just to prove that we are right. It's a huge thing. And I see it all of the time. And if we just had the the humility to be like, I'm wrong. And there is another way. I ha- And I have the humility to admit that our world would feel good, you know, because it, it's not focused on if I'm right, and I'm addicted to my suffering, and I'm addicted to my scarcity. Instead, it's I'm open, right? And our, our world desperately needs openness right now. I wanted to say that because I feel like that that's a huge conversation about like, if you're finding yourself continuing in disempowering patterns with money, have the humility to just own it, release it and choose something different because abundance is your birthright. Abundance is your birthright. Wealth is your birthright. Even if you weren't born into wealth, right? There's no lack of wealth in this world. Money is an ever circulating evergreen, constantly being created. I mean, I don't even know much about the crypto world, but like we've got that going on. It's accessible and it's possible for every single human on this planet to have wealth if we allow ourselves to. So yeah, that just came through and I wanted to share. <laughs> I love that. And I, I know that there's certain phrases I use that now when I use them, I actually come back and check myself. And one of them is, but we need to be reasonable or we need to be realistic or, but 
Mm -hmm. Totally. And those are times when I need to go back and assess, are these beliefs of mine? And is there anywhere that I can find evidence to the opposite? Mm. And that's about how our brains are built. It's hard to think of our brains as not being very intelligent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's literally, it's just a software. (laughs) It's, it's an organ. If it's, you know, um, it's an organ and it does a function and it does a function very well. And I think we understand the algorithm. We understand, oh, I'm looking at pictures of cats. Oh, my feed is full of pictures of cats because the algorithm says, she likes cats. I am going to send her a lot of funny cat videos. And that's how our brains work. Yeah. There isn't enough money. I don't have enough. I can't do that. What does our feed or our daily life look like? It looks like I can't afford this. I won't be able to do this. And we create it and we Mm -hmm. create that reality. You're constantly validating that belief. Yeah. I have a friend who finds money all the time. She's like, I found 20 bucks on the ground. She doesn't even get surprised. She's like, so my daughter and I, we went off and and we had lunch. They weren't planning on it, but they did. And you know what that does? It puts the money back into the economy. And what is that? Money is supposed to flow. It's supposed to keep circulating. It's energy that needs to keep moving. So now you've got someone and they're like, I've got these tools I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to do the pennies from heaven. I'm going to search out money. I don't know if you have this where you are, but pop cans, things like that. Those are actually worth money. We have return it where you sent, you take a pop can and you get five cents. Yes, absolutely. Abundance right there. Money can take any form. Mm -hmm. My daughter found a free bike on the side of the road, cleaned it up and sold it for $200. Amazing. Love her. (laughs) And she needed some money for some new stuff for the horse. I I don't even know anymore. The (laughs) horse is always needing something. And somebody had a free sign out front and she, there's money everywhere. Well, it won't show up as pennies in Canada because we don't have pennies anymore. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Nickels, quarters, we've got loonies and toonies. So... (laughs) everywhere. We've got our listeners now, they're going to be looking for those little bits of wealth and money in their life. Now what's next? Okay, but now I actually got enough this week that I got myself a couple of fancy Starbucks, but I want more than that. How do you make the leap to the big times? Mm-hmm. That's how I'm thinking of it. The big times. The big times. I I love this question so much. And this is where we would probably get into like embodiment work and nervous system training. Because a lot of people have upper limits to the amount of money that they're able to hold based off of their money blueprints or their financial blueprint. And when I say that, I mean your money mindset. So for example, I'm just going to use like my actual real life example. Inside of my business for probably an entire year, I was capped at making $8,000. And I was like, I'm really ready for more. Like I've been doing the, <laughs> I've been doing the work, you know, like I, I kind of wanted, I'm ready for more, you know? And, and what I realized was I have never in my life held more than $8,000. And so it literally was more uncomfortable for me to attract more money. And even if I did, I would self-sabotage some way. 
I would get rid of it. I would make a bad investment. My car would break down. Like something would happen so that I was back in my comfort zone of Mm $8,000. And so it's really important to recognize like, what's your current cap? What's your current limit? And like such a fun way to just like tell is like going to your average bank account and saying like, where is it at? Like, where's what's my average? And that's usually like your limit. And once you understand that and are aware of it, then you can actually practice holding more in your body. And that's when you get to tap into more overflow and allowing yourself to create safety with larger amounts of money. Because again, that cap, even though we desire more, it's safer and more comfortable to not have more. And so you have to start generating safety with the thought of larger numbers. So one of my like go-to embodiment practices, whenever I'm just in fight or flight, whenever I'm freaking out, whenever I want to create safety with something, I check in with my heart rate. I wrap my hands around myself, close my eyes, take a couple deep breaths and just say the mantra, I am safe here. I am safe here. That alone will start to generate safety inside of your body with that amount of money right? So if you have a desire to hold, and when I say hold, I mean to have $50,000 in one month, like let's go really big, right? $50,000 in one month. Okay. How does it feel if I think about receiving that without having to work hard for it? Let's just put aside how it's going to happen. And let's just say it somehow magically appears. How does that feel? And you're probably like, uh, it feels a little guilty. It feels a little like not true. It feels a little impossible. It feels a little like just uncomfortable, like whatever comes up for you, right? It's, there's not a right or wrong answer. But then that tells you right there that, okay, cool. I'm not going to attract that then if it doesn't feel safe. So how can I create safety with it? By imagining that I'm receiving it and creating a neural pathway in my mind and training my nervous system to hold that. That's what I've been playing with in the last year as my business has been quantum leaping. And here's the interesting part too. And I say this, I feel like I say this on every single podcast episode, every time I talk about money, because we think that the money is going to give us something like happiness or joy or fulfillment. We think it's going to bring us that, but it's not. One of my highest paying months in business, I was deeply in my lack. I was laying in the bathtub and I had a $41,000 a month. And I was like, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like enough because now I'm on, I'm on to something more. And so I realized in that moment that I was never actually going to have sustainable wealth. I was never actually going to feel wealthy if I didn't internally allow myself to feel abundant and safe, no matter the number. So sometimes it's disconnecting from the amount that you have and allowing yourself to feel safe no matter freaking what, (laughs) right? Because safety, abundance, those things are yours. And if you can learn how to create those things internally, then it's just going to allow the money to actually feel abundant and safe for you. That was a lot, but (laughs) that hit me so deep. Yeah. When you were just saying, I I imagined if I had a $41,000 month, what would I feel? And I know that I, my brain is like, you'd be ecstatic. You'd be taking everybody out. But I know that there's this part of my brain that is going to say, now you've raised everybody's expectations. This is the level they think you're going to perform at. You better not let them down. Are you going to be able to do this again next month? Yes. All of what you just said was exactly what went through my mind. (laughs) And to me, that is like, oh, just... Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a big one. A really big one because that is exactly how we sabotage ourselves. People say, why would I sabotage? That's how we do it. Mm -hmm. So then we do the safe small stuff. And then when the next month it's $3,000, we go, see, I knew it wasn't sustainable because that's proof. And we don't want to say, oh, I made it be a $3,000 month because what I did was in my panic, I grabbed a pint of Ben and Jerry's, crawled into bed and watched Netflix for the next four days. And I didn't follow up on a single client call Mm -hmm. because I wasn't ready. And that's how we do it. How many books are there? How to make wealth? Well, you look at the financial sheets of this and we look at that and then we decide how we're going to invest your money at a reasonable rate and everything's going to go great. And that's not at all what you just said. No. It's not what it's about. And it's not. I've seen it in my life because I have a couple of friends now. So I think this is showing improvement. This yeah. is how I'm improving. I can tell because I have friends who are close to me around me who don't have the scarcity mindset that I have. And mm. having people around you, just like I developed the scarcity mindset because family of origin and not laying blame, but that's that's what I was surrounded by. So that's what I believe to be true in the world. And now actually I have very close friends who absolutely don't. They understand that I struggle with this. I love it when one of my friends... I'm like, so how are your investments doing? Because he's like, I've got to get you set up. I just do it on my phone now. And he's like, oh, I'm up at 127,000. <laughs> he drives a smart car that he drove across the country that still has one broken window that, you know, like he just believes that it's going to be there. He has other things that he's going to spend his money on later. And, and, and he's not fussed. He's so not fussed and he's up 127,000 and my brain goes, oh my God, you're paying for dinner. (laughs) I love it. And and that's what I call an embodiment signature and a strategy signature. The embodiment signature is basically what we've been talking about, like your beliefs, how you feel about money, how receiving money makes you feel, how you think about people who have money. And then the strategy signature is how you use it, right? Your financial literacy, um, how you grow it, how you keep it, how you save it, how you spend it, all of that. And that is definitely an important piece of it, but that comes after you've learned how to do the inner work, right? Because like you can learn all the strategy with money that you want and you can apply it too, but that's not what's actually going to create wealth for you. And also asking yourself, like, what is real wealth to me? Everyone's perspective of wealth is different. Everyone's spectrum of wealth is different. Just getting naked with your truth around what is wealth to me and how can I feel that now? Yeah. (laughs) I have been so honored to have you on my podcast. This is such a fun conversation. I adore you. Tell people, I, I will put it in the show notes. But tell people what's the best way to connect with you. Yeah, I am super active on Instagram and my handle is at Sarah Rose underscore D and I have a bunch. I actually just hosted a free money healing challenge on Instagram. So if you want to like start the work of healing your relationship with money, start there, check out the link in my bio because I have a bunch of like master classes on money and I just launched my men and money membership. So there's a bunch of resources for you, but definitely connect with me on Instagram and slide in my DMs, say hi to me um, and I'll welcome you into, into my corner on the interwebs. <laughs> yes. 
Sarah Rose doesn't only help you with money, but also your relationships with men as well. And I love they're directly aligned. Oh boy. (laughs) And why am I not surprised? (laughs) That's another episode. (laughs) It will be because I know you're going to have to come back. Yay. Love it. (laughs) Oh, this has been so great. I hope that everybody's taken away some great tips. And now for the recap. From birth to seven years old, you are a sponge which absorbs everything around you. Your surroundings and how you interpret them become part of your subconscious beliefs. The initial work starts with understanding where your beliefs come from and realizing those beliefs may not be aligned with your true self. The good news is that the brain is malleable and you can create new neural pathways and as a result change your subconscious and conscious beliefs about money. If you focus on abundance, you will see it around you and you will draw it in. If you focus on negative things and lack, you will continue to find that. It isn't destiny, it's you. You attract it into your life because you are the creator of your life. Everything in your life you have brought in. Understanding and accepting this can be one of the hardest parts of change. Sarah Rose introduced us to her game, Pennies from Heaven. Look for money in your life, know that you can attract it and it will show up. Maybe it'll be pennies, maybe loonies, maybe pop cans. You attract money and you will prove to your mind that you can attract money because your brain always wants to be right and so just needs to be tuned into the things you want in order to be open to seeing them. We also talked about affirmations and how they can change your life, but only if you feel that they are true. If you don't feel they're true, it's not going to work. Then try for a bridging affirmation. If I'm a millionaire doesn't feel right, try I'm safe to be a millionaire. Your affirmations also will have a deeper impact if you say them when you are relaxed, such as when you're waking up or going to sleep. Sarah Rose also talked about our embodiment signature and our strategy signature. The strategy signature is your financial literacy, how you use money, how you grow it, how you save it, how you spend it. And this is all the stuff that we learn in the books. And most people think this is the only thing that matters when it comes to making money. But actually, the most important piece is your embodiment signature, which is your beliefs about money, how you feel about money, how receiving money makes you feel, what you think about people with money. Once you shift your embodiment signature, the strategy part is much easier to do and you will stop getting in your own way with self-sabotaging beliefs. And finally, Sarah Rose taught us how to create safety around money. Start by imagining a large sum of money, maybe 50,000, and imagine it arriving without you having to put in much effort. What does that feel like? Does it feel it belongs to you? Does it feel guilty? Does it feel like it will vanish? Hold that feeling and then wrap your arms around yourself and close your eyes. Then say out loud, I am safe here. I loved having Sarah Rose on the podcast and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to connect with her, you can connect with her via Instagram or her website. And I'm going to put those in the show notes. I happen to know she is launching a new embodied coaching session for May. So hop over to her website ASAP if you're interested. And now I know we all have our money stories and healing them is an essential part of being able to generate wealth, whether we're entrepreneurs or not. It's important because why should we spend our lives feeling icky or uncomfortable around money? So today I'm going to ask you to click the three dots on the podcast page and share this episode with six friends, because if you heal your relationship with money, imagine how amazing your life would be. And don't you want that for them too? So thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. I appreciate each of you so much. 
and sending you so much love on your journey.